Hello, and welcome to Veins of Gold, Finding God's Treasure in a Dirt-Covered World. This is a podcast from Mountain View Baptist Church in Thomaston, Georgia. Now, let's join Pastor Ryan Christopher as he digs into this week's program. Hello, folks. I hope you're having a great day. We're getting started now. I, I just uh, told you guys a couple of weeks ago that we had an opportunity to to uh, do a few interviews. And next week, we'll be starting our second uh, interview session. It'll be a two-week session and pretty fired up. be uh, interviewing our, our senior pastor here at Mountain View Baptist Church. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why we're going to do that. After 43 years or so of uh, ministering at the same church, I think he has a right to tell us some stuff and to teach us some stuff. And so we're going to have a good time sitting down with talking with him and, uh, and probably laugh a little, cry a little, and uh, yell a little. Who knows? We might even have church in here. Goodness gracious. Uh, but it all it all stems from, you know, just the guys uh, from the AV team saying, hey, why don't you try some uh, some interviews? They get sick of hearing me, and I don't blame them for that. Uh, but, uh, you know, just try some interviews. And so we're going to do that with, and we did that with, uh, brother Keith and he got talked to us about music ministry. And I know there were, there are so many people out there who have, um, their own, uh, opinions about that. And then of course we got to talk about the, um, what he's going through with Parkinson's and, uh, and, and all of, all of those issues related to that, the, uh, the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs, the roller coaster ride that is in ministry, trying to work through, uh, physical problems and, and sometimes spiritual ones. And so we had a great conversation there. Um, so when we get ready to do this uh, interview next week and over the course of a couple of weeks, maybe even three, if I can keep them long enough, um, we are going to uh, discuss ministry uh, for those of you out there who are interested in his life, which would be our locals. And then, of course, those of you who are outside of our church and uh, don't necessarily know Pastor Rex, uh, you will appreciate the fact that, you know, the things he can teach us about longevity and ministry and about, uh, about loving your people and all those good things. We're going to have a, a good conversation, uh, developing those questions as we speak and just hoping to, uh, hoping to get that, uh, get that done starting next week. Uh, guys, this week, you know, honestly, you know, let's just look at this. I, I had something on my heart and, uh, and I'm sure I'll preach on it very soon. Uh, but this is, uh, one of the most incredible passages from scripture. And it was on my heart. Woke up thinking of it the other day. I have tried to uh, record this podcast once before and uh, had a little bit of technical difficulty as we have with some other items here. And, uh, and so it didn't record. And so I said, you know what? I really got to record this simply for my own devotional time. Uh, it is, uh, it is an incredible passage from Isaiah chapter six and, uh, incredible words. And, um, and I want to go through it and, and, and talk about it, um, with you and, uh, you know, have an opportunity to, um, to just dig deep in it. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, do an awful lot of commentary on it, uh, except, you know, you know, going, uh, going into the history of it as, as such. But I do want to uh, express just the emotional side of this for me. Um, the Word of God is uh, is so beautiful to me. And when I go to Isaiah chapter six, the reason I'm going there today is because I want to discuss. I want to discuss the um, the holiness of God. Okay, and I want to discuss the differences. Let's look at let's look at two different things. Okay, if you're riding around, you're listening to this, or you're sitting at the house, or whatever you happen to be doing at this time, I want you to think about two words. Uh, one of those words is holy. The other word is righteous. Righteous, this moral purity, this um, the goodness behind uh, morality, all of those things. 
Um, but holy, a lot of times they, they think of them as synonyms, that holy and righteous are synonyms. And there, there's a piece of righteousness that is in holiness, but understand that holiness means separate. Okay, totally, it is a separateness when, when the Bible teaches us that we are not, uh, we are in this world, but we're not of this world, when we're aliens to this land, when we are new creatures created by, you know, the, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and his uh, sacrifice on the cross. When we, uh, when we have that and we know that, that holiness is a separate walk. It is, I am different than I was before, therefore my behavior as such will be will be that. And when the Bible says, be holy for I am holy. So, well, I'm not perfect. Well, no, none of us are. But here's the key, though. Are we becoming more and more like our Savior, Jesus Christ? When we look at Isaiah chapter 6, it, all I want to do is talk about God's separateness. I want to talk about what that means and uh and we'll go into some other verses and you know i've got i've got scripture beside me and 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 uh on the screen in front of me and of course uh the the verses in front of me and such and i'm just going to go through this and just from my heart talk about you know go through each verse and just talk from from my heart and um and so i, I think this is very very important so let's just interview if there's if we can call this an interview too this is an interview with ryan about what he believes about isaiah chapter six what a beautiful beautiful passage from scripture and uh, just uh, beautiful from, from Isaiah, starting with verse 1. Let's look at this real quick. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Now, that is such a loaded, loaded verse. And if we go back and we look at this and we look at what, what's happening here, um, Isaiah is having a vision. He's having a vision of God himself and being in the presence of God. Now, think about Isaiah for just a minute. Let's think about the prophets of old. Let's think about what they were called to do. Let's think about what they were called not to do. And, and uh, you know, a lot of people say, man, what a glamorous position to be Isaiah, to be Ezekiel, to be um, Zechariah, to be Haggai, to be Jeremiah, you know, all those guys. What a great thing. What, what, what a great thing to be John the Baptist and all these things. I want you to understand something, that the, that the prophets of old, the famous ones we read about in Scripture, had very, very tough times. Very tough times. Sure, there were thousands of prophets. There were prophecy schools. There were all those things that were available to them back then. And there are, uh, uh, you know, just, um, you know, when Elijah basically believes he's the only one left and he's sulking and he's uh, almost wanting to give up on life itself. Uh, in fact, even asked, you know, to die. Um, God says, no, wait a second. I have I have preserved plenty of prophets to be on your side. Don't you're not all by yourself. Don't you don't treat yourself that way. You're not all by yourself. But many times prophets are told to go into situations and you're not, you know, think about this, you're not called to this huge ministry or this huge group of people. You're not, you're not called to, uh, you know, to have thousands upon thousands. As a prophet of God, you are called to call out your, God's people. And it was a very, very tough road to hoe. If you look at Jeremiah, say, man, what a great and mighty prophet of God. But think about it, he never had an audience. I mean, not an audience that believed him. He had an audience that thought he was crazy. One thing about that, it says, hey, go start a church. I'm just going to let you know nobody's going to be in the pews. I mean, that's that's an awful way to think about it, but that's exactly what the truth is. Jeremiah would weep for the nation. He was a young man, but weep for the nation, prophesy for the nation, and nobody gave him any heed. Any heed. And uh, and he was warned that. They're not going to. I want you to do this anyway. We look at Ezekiel. Somebody says, man, I would love to be like Ezekiel. Well, think about all that Ezekiel went through and that, you know, that God asked him to do. 
I mean, you think about, and quickly, I mean, we're not going to go through all of those verses, but quickly, I mean, you know, telling Ezekiel, hey, lay on your side and then lay on this side and, you know, create this, um, create this, you know, this mock city, almost like a toy city, uh, 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 you know, um, a uh, childlike uh, group, you know, walls and, and all of this, almost like a dollhouse of sorts to represent uh, Jerusalem. And I want you to throw pebbles at it and not say anything. Just lay on your side and throw pebbles at it while people walk by and, you know, obviously think you're crazy for whatever you're doing there. Um, and, and, you know, the food you're going to eat is going to be biscuits that you've uh, cooked over, you know, human dung as your fuel. And it's like, you know, Ezekiel protest about the human dung. He says, okay, you can use cow dung, you know, you know, great compromise. And so, uh, you know, a cow dung tasting biscuit is what he would end up with. Um, that's what he had to eat. So, you know, we look at these, these prophets and I want you to understand that those, some of them have, you know, these great reputations, Elijah and Elisha and Jeremiah and Isaiah and all of these, you have to understand what all they went through. Okay. You know, I think with everything, when you follow God and do exactly what God's told you to do, it's going to be happy, clappy, and everything's going to be fine. We, there are periods of happy, clappy, and there's certainly should be continuous joy and continuous, uh, continuous, uh, uh, just a, a glorious life in the midst of uh, all of this trouble. But I can tell you trouble's coming. Jesus said in this world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He does, in fact, call us to some suffering. And uh, we get through that. And the getting through processes where we find our joy. And you can succeed. You can have things. You can have all of, the, all of that stuff. But here's the problem. Make sure that you're not wrapped up in that and that you believe any hard times coming your way are uh, a result of disobedience. Many times hard times come our way because this opposition to what God's doing in your life. And God will allow some of that to come in your life to train you and make you stronger, uh, to make you godlier, um, and to, uh, to in fact, uh, you know, bring you to a, a separateness, a holiness even, making you, uh, you know, tougher and elite, to be holy and separate. When we look at our elite forces and the armed forces, when we look at our rangers and we look at our green berets and we look at our seals and all those different things that we have in our armed forces, they are, they have separated themselves from the, the, the normal soldiers. So then there are the separate, you know, there are soldiers who are separate from civilians. And then there are those who have even separated themselves further and become the special forces from our military. Now, if you look at that, that is similar to what has to happen where we are in the sense that we separate ourselves from the normal civilian, not in the sense that we, we're not ever around them, but we separate ourselves in behavior and, and, and who we're pursuing in God. And then there are the special forces in the sense they separate themselves even more. They're going to act more and more like Jesus Christ. And uh, it's an amazing, amazing thing to see. But now we're back to Isaiah. Isaiah is asked, just like we was talking about Ezekiel, we're asked to talk about Jeremiah and how they were asked to do some, you know, some things that would be awfully tough for the, for the uh, modern day um, evangelist or, or preacher to, to hear. Um, I want you to preach without an audience. Well, Isaiah j m normally had an audience, but the problem with the audience is many times they hated him for what he spoke um, because everybody wants to preach and tell them that everything's going to be okay. Um, and so uh, that's not what Isaiah did. In fact, Isaiah is told at times to, uh, to uh, preach uh, in the nude in order to, to uh, represent uh, Jerusalem that way. Jerusalem would be... Uh, naked before him and, and certainly was uh, sinning and, and they would be, um, as a result of the Jewish people, you know, falling away from God, they would suffer a, you know, suffer consequences as a result. Um, so here we are in this first verse and looking at, um, 
looking at what it says, it says, in the year the king Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. Okay, so this is he's 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 looking at him sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. When we look, when we think about, and and I want you to think about this just for a second. When we think about royalty, and we think about um, them being in uh, a you know in a castle, and you walk into that castle, and the general movie scene is that the king is four or five steps up on this uh, platform and the throne is there and then there's a queen's throne or the servant standing beside him or whatever that scene may be. We we normally have four or five steps. Uh, Isaiah is seeing something a little different here. He said he is high and lifted up, high and lifted up. There are many, many, if there's stairs to be seen, many, many of them. And he is so very high above Isaiah. It is he walks in and let's just for the sake of argument say there's 100 steps to his throne. And he says uh, he is high and lifted up and his train fills the temple. This is an image you cannot forget, folks. Please understand this is the same God who walked the earth. This is Jesus. This is God. This is the Holy Spirit. This is all of this combined. And he is seeing him, and he's and, and he, he says he sees him high and lifted up, and his train fills the temple. So the robe he wears is is completely covering the floor of the temple. So Isaiah, in his vision, is technically if if you know through this vision, he's technically on top of that train because anything and everything that's in there would have to be on that. Any movement from God would move them around. His train filled the temple, simply meaning an enormous, an enormous robe, a royal robe, where the train is incredibly huge and fills the temple. Oh, what a sign of majesty and royalty! And uh, what a sign of, uh, of you know, submission that Isaiah is here and just uh, and you'll see his attitude in just a minute. But but how he sees God high and lifted up his train filled the temple. Let's look, look at verse two. I, I want to tell you guys as we before we look at verse two, I want to tell you guys something. This is this is an image that so shakes me. There are songs that are that are based on this very this very passage. And to know just how holy and great he is, is so powerful in our lives. When we realize that our very heartbeat is, is controlled by this God, by this God that is high and lifted up. And these verses, they, they, they have a whole new meaning. They have a whole new meaning. It, it, it grabs hold of us and begins to work inside of us in a way that uh, we can never um, quite appreciate unless we just spend time um, wallowing and uh, spend time digging and spend time uh, living and swimming in his word. Verse 2 says this, Above it stood the seraphim, so there are angels above the throne. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. What an incredible image. What an incredible image. So there are angels above him. There are angels above him, and they are crying out. Now, I would love to see, I would love to see um, God's people worshiping Him the way angels worship. And there are some that do that. Praise God! I thank God for that. I thank God that there are some who worship and praise like that because I know, I know they have a reverence for God that would um, that would shock most. We hear these angels, and they they just they're, they're giving God the due glory. That um that he deserves, and uh, and these seraphim, you know, that they're, they're angelic creatures, and they um 
they they bear similarity to the four living creatures from Revelation. Uh, if you if you go back there, I think it's Revelation chapter four. Um, these four living creatures uh, they resemble the cherubim from Ezekiel. Uh, they have six wings, you know, two wings that cover the face. Um, you know, and, and we believe, you know, we believe that's because they didn't dare look at God straight on. Um, they had two covered feet. Uh, that's meant, you know, most scholars believe that's meant that the lowliness, you know, acknowledging their lowliness, even though engaged in divine service, they just, they cover their feet. Um, two of they flew. That was, you know, that was what they did with those. I mean, that, that's to keep flight. Um, you know, four wings related to worship, emphasizing, you know, the priority of praise. I mean, they just, they gave God, uh, the glory and they were praising him and giving him all of the, um, due praise. And, uh, and so when we look at this, it's amazing to think that, okay, Isaiah is seeing something. He is seeing something so beautiful. He's seeing God lifted up. He's seeing the train fill the temple. He is seeing seraphim above him. And, uh, he was in, he was in the presence of God. And that presence was like a flaming fire, um, you know, and, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Isaiah verse, I mean, Isaiah 6, verse 3. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. And one cried unto another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, that's what they're saying to one another. They're saying it over and over again. They cried into one another. There's almost a yell at one another. They were speaking to one another in, in, in praise. And, and granted, it's going back and forth, but holy, holy, holy. And everybody loves that. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Everybody loves that. But here's the, here's the, here's the thing. Holy means separate. So here they are saying separate, separate, separate. He is so different than everything else. He is so different than everything else. The Bible to say that we are made in his image, but we are even being made in his image. We are so different than him because he is set apart in such a way. There is no dirty. There is no sin that can be near him. He has a wrath for that stuff, which is the reason his son had to die on the cross for our sin um, is because of his wrath and his hatred for sin. And that's it. The whole earth is full of his glory. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's almost like a worldwide display of his, of his glory. Um, it, but following man, you think about us, you think about here, are the angels giving him all the glory, all the honor and all the praise. And yet fallen man would say, no, you think about all the things in the universe outside of humans that do exactly what he says. Everything does exactly as he says, unless it's the human. You give them a choice, and many of them just say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm no better than anybody else when it comes to this this area of my life. I've definitely got to work on those things. But he cried on to one another saying, holy, 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 holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And this is their job. This is the, those angels, that's their job, is to cry out the holiness of God. We're told, we're told to be holy for he is holy, and that is from the word of God. And we know the scripture that that these uh, that that God is there, that He's being worshipped as well as we should worship Him. Verse four, verse four. This stuff gets good. And the post of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Folk, listen to me, listen to me. The angels are crying this out, and the post and everything in there shaking as a result. The holiness of God, the separateness of God. 
his beauty, his majesty is so great and mighty, and yet we defy him. It makes no sense, but we do time and again. The post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. The trembling, you know, this trembling smoke symbolizes his holiness. The smoke is his holiness. And, you know, and it relates, most scholars believe this relates to wrath and judgment and all of those things. I mean, my goodness gracious, this is not, this is a place that's really starting to intimidate Isaiah as well it should anyone. Think about this, um, you know, there's a wonderful song called I Can Only Imagine. And basically it says, you know, I have gone to heaven. I can only imagine how I'm going to respond to God when I finally get there. How I'm going to respond to God when I finally get there. Well, let me tell you what you're first going to do. The truth of that song is, I can only imagine what I'm going to do after I do the first thing. Because everybody knows or ought to know what they're going to do first before they do anything. Let's look at the disciple John. I can tell you what he did. And now John is the disciple that Jesus loved. So basically, if you could say there was a such thing, you could say this. You could say, um, he's the disciple that Jesus loved. He was basically the favorite. All right, He was one of the sons of thunder, which means he had a slight attitude. Uh, could get rough at times and would do what he had to do to get what he needed. Um, John was one of those types. But John was the disciple Jesus loved. There was something about him. John was at the the foot of the cross when Jesus was dying. He was there with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and another Mary there. And so he was he was he was there. And Jesus looks down at John, says, John, behold your mother, meaning his own earthly mother, and he said, John, behold your mother, mother, behold your son. And so he basically gave his mother, Mary, to um, to John for John to take care of, um, which is an incredible, incredible thing. You got to realize now, you think about this. So Jesus is about 33. Um, that would make that would make Mary about 49 or so, 49 or 50. And uh, and so she is, uh, or, you know, maybe even a little bit younger. And she is down, you know, below the cross. John has been given responsibility over her. So he, he, that's how much he loves John. John. All the disciples are gone, but John, you know, I mean, if you, if certainly the women were disciples, but uh, in, in the sense of being followers, in the sense of being followers, but they were, you know, they were there, but John was the only one of his 12 disciples that was there. And so he was very, very special. But John, when he gets this revelation from, from God, when he gets this revelation, he is uh he is so in all he falls on his face as though a dead man is what it says. He falls on his face as though a dead man. When we reach the pinnacle and we are in the presence of the living God, the first thing, I really believe this with all my heart, the first thing we're going to do is fall on our faces before God and worship him with everything we have in us. Certainly, there will be time for hugging and dancing and praising and all of those things. I'm sure all of those things will be have uh, an eternity to take care of. But the very first thing I don't have to imagine. I can only imagine what I'll do after that. But the first thing I can imagine is that I'll be on my knees. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. But after the knees, I'll be on my face because he has done so much. He has done so much to take care of us and to love us and to deliver our souls. It says in verse 4, And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. So this mystery of smoke and and, and the things associ- associated with judgment, wrath, and such, and the post would move and things. So Isaiah 6, 5, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He's like, I am going to die 
If you look at the message version of those same, very, very, very same verses, listen to this. Doom, it's doomsday. I'm as good as dead. Oh my goodness gracious. Every word I've ever spoken is tainted, blasphemous, even and the people I live with talk the same way, using words that corrupt and desecrate. And here I've looked God in the face, the king, God of the angel armies. Oh my goodness gracious. This is so good. This is so good. Let's go back to what we were talking about here. Then I said, woe is me for I'm undone. I'm a dead man. I, I'm, I'm here in the presence of God and I'm going to die. You can feel the holiness, the separateness. Why am I in his presence? We thank God that the New Testament tells us we can come boldly before the throne, but not because we're anything special, but because we have the blood of Jesus as our cleansing agent. And he recognizes that. We can come before him. Yes, he loves us. We're his children, but we can come before him because of the blood of Jesus. And so here we look at this and we say, oh, my goodness, this is this is incredible stuff. This is, you know, this is incredible. But the initial reaction to holiness, the 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 initial reaction to um, the goodness of God and the holiness of God, uh, two separate things there. But his goodness is so separate. That's why he's called holy. His goodness is so good. His um, his righteousness is so righteous. It is it's pure. It's purest form of it there is no purer form of righteousness than god's righteousness but he is so separate and so different and uh it says woe is me isaiah literally believes he is about to die this vision he's having is of the lord he has seen him he knows what the word says you know if you see the um you, know, you see the lord in that manner uh in a manner where he believes um then you could very well die as a result of having seen him he says, then I saw woe for me, for I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips, meaning some of my behavior is just as bad as their behavior, and it shouldn't be. I should be a man of of uh, of dignity and uh, respect and, and talking the way I should be. My words should be good and edifying and encouraging. Instead, I'm pulling people down, tearing them apart, or I have filthier coarse language, what, whatever this you know, whether this may have been um, at that time, you know, it's basically a confession from Isaiah, he, he, he's seen the full glory of God's goodness and his holiness. And Isaiah, you know, pronounces, you know, woe upon himself. Um, this is, this is a legal charge. I mean, I'm dead. I'm a dead man. This is, this is, you know, uh, his way of being self-evaluated. Um, you know, he, he just got, he just, he just got quiet and just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die here. This is my last day. Uh, goodbye. Uh, I don't need a uh, forwarded mail address or anything like that. I'm just going to be, uh, I won't be here any longer because this is, this is crazy. I'm going to die. I'm so unclean. I'm going to die. Um, and so that, that's where that is. And so we look, we look, you know, we look a little bit further. We look at verse six, we look at verse six. Says then flew one of the seraphim, seraphim under me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken the tongs off the altar. Okay, so the hot coal is just taken off the altar of incense in heaven. That's you know, um, happens in Revelation eight. It's you know basically a symbol of God's um, God's purifying work. Uh, you know, repentance is painful, folks. Repentance is painful. If you do it the right way, if you're really repenting and changing, it's it's hard. It's painful. Um, and so they come, you know, they come and they, they, you know, they have a live coal. This angel has a live coal in his hand. Um, he took, took it with tongs from the altar. Um, and so, the, you know, this, this, um, you know, maybe, maybe this is altered in a sense of some sort. Uh, but here the seraphim takes the coal in his hand. Um, and then, and then comes toward Isaiah. Um, Isaiah 6, 7. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Folks, our God is a 
you know, consuming fire. We hear that in songs. We hear that in a consuming fire. So it's, it's kind of crazy. You know, sometimes we'll say, um, we'll say something like this. We'll say, you know, God, send your, send your fire down, you know, send your, and there's a good reason for that. We want the Holy Spirit's fire to come down. But remember, that's a purifying fire. That is going to be painful. It's going to burn off all the garbage off of us. It's going to burn everything and just leave what we have done for the Lord alive and well. Certainly leave our salvation, but you know, certainly, but also leave what is true, what we did out of good motive, those things that we did that were good. Um, keep that because you know we say, well, Holy Spirit, fall down. Well, if you want it to fall down, it will, but it's going to convict us. It's going to convict us, and we're going to be changing for the better. But it says uh, then. Flew one of the seraphim under me, having a live coal in his hand, which had taken off the tongs of the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquity and sin has been made, uh, sin has been purged. And so this uh, cleansing, this uh, cleansing, if you will, of Isaiah's mouth. I mean, it's an incredible scene of, of being cleaned. Folks, how many of us want to know that we've been cleaned? If you've been born again, you've been cleaned, but you're not. Some of us aren't acting like that. We are separate beings. Did we really submit our God, uh, our lives to God? Did we really do that? Um, and that is the key question in all of this. Um, he wasn't allowed to touch the altar, but the, but they were able to bring the coal, um, from this altar and, uh, which leads us into verse seven. And, and then I want to, uh, end with that because I know we're at the end of 30 minutes, but I want to, I want to end with verse seven. Uh, and then, oh my goodness, Isaiah six and eight will be an incredible, um, talk for next time. Um, but Isaiah, or after the interviews with Pastor Rex, Isaiah six and seven, it said, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, lo, this had touched thy lips and thine iniquities taken away and thy sin purged. You know, God being consuming fire, uh, the heart is the source folks, uh, but the iniquity comes out of the mouth. Um, and so the baptism Jesus gave us was the, you know, the baptism of, of the Holy ghost, Holy spirit. And so purged, the sin has been taken away. There'll be a day telling Isaiah, there'll be a day that, that there'll be a sacrifice from the Messiah. And, um, that'll be a different kind of, that'll be a different kind of day. I have just cleansed you of unrighteousness through the, through the work of this uh, vision and, and all, but um, but I am. There's going to be a better day. There's going to be a day when someone can be greater than John the Baptist, can be greater than Isaiah, because they have seen the, um, they have heard and seen the story of Jesus Christ, and believe on believe on that story and believe on that truth, and as a result, end up greater than even the greatest of prophets from the Old Testament. This consuming fire, this high and lifted up, the train filling the temple, all of these things are just incredible. They're just incredible. And so there we have it, folks. There we have it. Your sin has been taken away. Look, we get into his presence one day and we are just taken aback by his holiness and we're scared. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes up from behind and says, I paid this price. You are paid for in full. Go boldly before the throne. Oh, my goodness. We're going to go running. We're going to go running. We're going to go running and never squish in on each other. There's going to be plenty, 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 plenty of room. And I give God glory for that. Isaiah chapter 6, 7 is where we end up. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Veins of Gold, a podcast of Mountain View Baptist Church. For information about our church and ministries, please visit our website, mvbaptist.org.